Oh Lord, our help in ages past and our help in the days to come. We look to you this morning. Father, you and you alone have the words of life. Where can we go? And therefore we come to you, not to man. I may have prepared, O oh Lord, this message. But Lord, un- but unless and until you anoint it, and you speak through me, it will be dead words. Without any consequence for this life or even in eternity. And therefore we implore you that Lord, that you would come and have mercy upon us. That you would speak to us. And that you would grant us the attitude of Samuel who said, speak Lord, your servant is hearing. To that end I pray that you would circumcise our ears and anoint our ears. Grant us hearing. Grant us understanding. Grant us the power to obey what we have heard this morning. We thank you. We praise you. To that end I pray that you would bless and anoint the speaking and the hearing of this word in Jesus name. Amen. This morning just want to show one verse from Psalm 46 verse 10. After I prepared this message I just called pastor in the morning to pray with him in the morning at 5 o'clock and this is exactly what he prayed from Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You see, I mean, we've been listening to so many messages, right? One of the, I mean, Brother Cyril was speaking about a couple of Sundays back and he was saying, you know, there are only two gods in our life. Either God is God or we are God. And this morning God is asking, be still and know that he is God and not you. Alright, look at what it, what the message, Eugene Peterson in his message translation puts it very interestingly. He says, step out of the traffic. Take a long look at me, your high God. Just get out of the way, please. Above politics and above everything else. <laughs> Amazing, right? What a rendering for this verse. You, you see the confusion and the clamor going all around the world here in our country and abroad. Every nation, this this trembling, this unrest, this name calling. I mean, can you imagine the state of affairs of the politics that our, of not, even, on, not only this country, but abroad? You know, the, just yesterday I was uh, uh, looking through, you know, YouTube, there was a video of uh, the presidential debate between Franklin D. Roosevelt and uh, President Reagan. Those days in 1980. And you should see the kind of debate, how civil the discourse was. What they were attacking and they were debating were issues. This is what, this is what President Roosevelt suggested and this is what we have, this is the problem with the, with the, with his issue and with his, uh, with his, uh, solution and the same with FDR, no? Very civil, not attacking personalities, but tackling and debating upon issues. And now we have a generation, boy, it's become so bad. I mean, there is absolutely no respect in any of the political arenas, name calling, profanity, and absolutely abased society. You see, that's where we are living in, no? Step out of the traffic, take a long look. 
Lord, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. Okay, so this morning, who is God? Isaiah 46 verse 8 and 8 to 10. Remember this and show yourself men. I like that. <laughs> show yourselves men. That's the reason why, you know, Second Corinthians, oh, sorry, First Corinthians chapter 14 verse 20 will say, in your thinking be men, but when it comes to evil, be what? Infants. Be babies when it comes to evil, but in thinking, be men. Remember this and show yourselves men. Recall to mind, oh you transgressors, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are yet to be done. In other words, you know, if you read the Genesis account and the first five books of Moses, the Genesis account happened when Moses was writing at least a thousand years, possibly. Already happened, history already happened and God was declaring what to Moses what was happening right from the beginning. Amazing. Nobody was there. He was telling Moses, right? Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things that are yet to be done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Isaiah 45, verse 21. Tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from the ancient time? Who has told you, told it from that, from that time? Have not I the Lord and there is no other God besides me, a just God and a savior. There is no one besides me. For I am God. There is no other. Isaiah 42 verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory I will not give to another. Nor my praise to carved images. You know what he's saying? Just get rid of, vacate that position of God and give it to me. Vacate the position of God and give it to me. And this morning, you know, I titled my, my sermon as, Am I in the place of God? Question mark. Am I in the place of God? And I was looking through the Bible. Four characters who voiced this. Am I in the place of God? Let's look at the first. This is found in Genesis chapter 13. Verse 1 onwards. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel and he said, what did he say? Am I in the place of God? First person who said that. Now by the way, you'll, you just have to look at this narrative, okay? We don't have, we don't have chapter divisions. Like when, uh, when, uh, when uh, Moses was writing, he said, he, he didn't say 29 ends and 30 starts. No, he just continuously uh, started read, uh, writing. No, and the chapter division is for us. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 29 onwards, no? When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and this is after, uh, you know the story? Uh, Laban deceives Jacob, gives Leah to be his wife first and and he gets up in the morning and behold it is Leah. Okay, he's got a shock of his life. And then, you know the story and again uh, uh, Laban, you know some the way he uh, traps Jacob into marrying Leah and then of course Jacob en- ends up marry- marrying Rachel and it is a total, total mess. After marriage, you should see there is no conversation between husband and wife that has been recorded. The only conversation that has been recorded is, am I in the place of God? Give me children or else I die. This is the first conversation that is recorded. It's remarkable. 
no conversation. God is saying, okay, I mean, Jacob and Rachel had romance. Maybe they were having some romantic conversations. God said, that is irrelevant. I don't even want to record that. Nothing was recorded. What is recorded? In the Bible, the first conversation, give me children or else I die. Am I in the place of God? Remarkable. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 29 onwards. This is Leah. Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me Simeon. Etc, etc. Until she bears Judah. Then she stopped bearing. You see, in all this, who's naming? You know, she's not even consulting with her husband. What should we name our baby? You know, when Justin and I, we had Abigail for the first time. Boy! The kind of discussions we were having. What to call her? What to call her? And then she got a name in her mind. And she said, Vijay, I know the name. You love that name. Guess it. The actress could scratch my head because I, I really love that name. You know? And then she said, Abigail. I said, boy, Abigail. That's a, see, there's no conversation between Jacob and Rachel. Sorry, and uh, Leah. Absolutely. Who's, who's in charge? Who's naming? And all she's thinking, will I get my husband's love and affection? Questions. Do I have an exciting, do I have exciting conversations with my wife about God and his work in my life? I ask myself, do we have, ex- I mean, married people over here. Do you have exciting conversations? Think about it, no? Think about the conversations, you know, it says in the book of Malachi, God heard the conversations and he book, wrote it in the book of remembrance. And what would he remember about your wife and you? Justin, you know what? I read this passage today. Boy, it was amazing. Did you listen to this message? Amazing. Oh, did you hear that? Did you see that? You know, how God spoke to me. This is what he said to me. Think about it. I'm talking about believing husband and wife. I'm not talking about uh, unbelieving spouse. You can forget about it. There's nothing common over there. I mean, I, I honestly, I cannot go beyond three sentences with my unbelieving family. How are you? How is family? Full stop. Next is weather. Cricket. Conversation over. Nothing. Now the problem is husband and wife are not even conversing. No conversation between husband and wife. Not worthy of recording. And then again, that's the reason why. Am I truly heirs of life together with my wife? See that? Questions we need to ask. Think about it. Are you aware of God's purpose for your marriage? Are you just existing in your marriage? You know, I remember Francis Chan saying, you know, you come and say, I have an exciting, great marriage. So what? Is it impacting the kingdom? When you you and your wife come together, there's power which will be released. Is it happening? Are you shaking the powers of darkness? Through your prayer, prayer life. Or are your prayers being hindered? Are you heirs together to, of the grace of life? Are you excited? That's observation. Another, another observation that I made. Look at this. No, look at, look at this. This is something which I, which I, which, which God is actually telling, uh, Moses, you know, you know, Moses, how did your illustrious nation come about? Look at this glorious Israel that you see. You know how it, how it came about? It came because of a polygamous relationship of one man 
two wives, two concubines. That is how Israel came. Boy, it's stunning. Why did God choose you? Oh, because he saw something great in me. No, 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 no. He chose you in spite of you. That is the reason why Romans chapter 9 will say, when our Rebecca conceived the twins by that one man, Isaac, when the children not even yet been born, neither having done anything good or bad, so that the purposes of God might, by election, might continue, it is written. What is it written? The younger, sorry, the older would serve the younger. It is not by works. It is not by the one who runs. It is by God who shows mercy. Mercy. And you know what he's saying? Moses, Moses, right? How origin of Israel. And Moses, you know, I had a great king, great warrior. We fought wars, nothing. How did Israel come into existence? How did 12 tribes come into existence? Polygamous relationship between a husband, two wives, two concubines. Two concubines who didn't even have any word to say. That is how Israel came. Origin of the 12 tribes, the nation of Israel, absolutely undeserving act of God's absolute sovereign grace. You know what it tells me? Notice that God does not whitewash any testimony of his children. <laughs> Nothing. Everything is laid bare, shown to everybody so that we will have hope. You know what? It's there in the Holy Bible. When you read it, it's not a good, comfortable reading. When you read all that, what is going on, Lord? What is this fighting for mandrakes? Competition, jealousy, it's there in the... What Bible? Holy Bible. I mean, you should see how they whitewash Muhammad's testimony. Oh, he's the fairer. Fairest of all. He was whiter in his hands. He was whiter in his legs. He was white. Everywhere he was white. Even in his armpits it says. That is how they whitewashed their prophet's testimony. But God, no, 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 no. Nothing. It's there in the Holy Bible. You know what? Tells me this is superb, no? God chose us not because we are good. Thank God. God chose us because we are undeserving. And you know what it should release us to? It should release us to prayer for our unsaved loved ones. Lord, if you chose them, chose me, who was undeserving, please, Lord, sovereign grace for them also. I mean, don't pray, okay, bless them, Lord. Let their business prosper. Don't pray like that. Don't pray like that. Save them, Lord. Even if their business does not prosper. Can you pray like that? See, that is, the, that is when you know that your eyes are what? Where? On the unseen and not on the scene. Not only, not, only the, not only in the temporal unseen, but in the eternal unseen. So let us go back to Genesis chapter 30 and look at the first time this word is mentioned, am I in the place of God? Question mark. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 30. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. And she said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Again, a few observations. You know what Jacob is telling? Are you looking to me to satisfy all of your deepest longings, Rachel? Have I become God in your life? Are you looking to me, the visible, or him who is invisible? 
You know, what is the essence of all sin? Essence of all sin is exchange of glory. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. How did that happen? Because it says in Romans chapter 1, look at what it says in Romans chapter 1 verse 22 onwards. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the, who? Incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. You know what it says in one of the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 105. Uh, they exchanged the glory of God into bulls which eat grass. Remember when Moses went into the mountains and then Israel they prepared the golden calf. It says they exchanged the glory of God into bulls which may, which, is, which eat grass. You know what is the symbol of bull? Where do you see a bull? Stock market. You go to Bombay Stock Exchange, you go to Nasdaq, New York Stock Exchange, you will find one bull. That is their God. That is their God. Money is God. Success is God. Bull. What is that? Glory of the incorruptible God. Other translations will use the word immortal, but I like the word incorruptible, meaning one God who's fresh every day. And what do you do? Exchange it for one guy who's fading every day. It's amazing. See, deep down inside of our heart, there's a vacuum which only God can fill. You know what you do? There is a weight of expectations that we have and we look for it in our spouses and they are all crushed under that expectation because only God can fulfill that. And he is the heaviest. See that? Corruptible. Look at another observation that I made. Look at what it says. I mean, this is what I wrote. Christ is the only master who is absolutely new every day. He is the only master who is absolutely new every day. That is the reason why his mercies are Ah, new every morning. Fresh. Bread is fresh. Everything is fresh from God's throne. Nothing is fading. It's incorruptible. It's constant. That is the reason why it says, I, the God, do not change and therefore you are not consumed in your sins, O you sons of Jacob. I do not change. Same yesterday, today and forever. Every day you can go to the throne room of mercy and to get what? Mercy, new, afresh. Every morning. Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 4. Jesus answered and said to her, this is to the lady, if you knew the gift of God and who it is asking, uh, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Water which is living? We sang that song, no? Peter was singing that song and, oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Oh give thanks to the God of all gods. His mercy endures forever. Go give, oh, give thanks to what does Lord mean? Master. Master of all the masters, his mercy endures forever. He's the only God who's incorruptible, who's fresh every day. So what is the observation that I make? No? The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with the draw with and the well is deep. In other words, she's saying, Lord, you don't have a bucket. Isn't it? It's very interesting, no? They don't get it. When Jesus says something spiritual, because their eyes are on the physical, on the scene, they always say, okay, water, where is your bucket? Okay. And when disciples, be careful about the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven? Oh, we forgot bread. They don't get it. 
absolutely don't get it. What is she looking for? She's looking for buckets. She had five buckets, by the way. Five buckets. Trying to fulfill her desires using five buckets. All five buckets failed. Sixth bucket failed. And now she's looking for another bucket. An ocean. Springs of living water is being promised. That is how we are. All of us are like that. I want to bless you. Lord, yes Lord, give me a bucket. What is that? Spouse. Job. Career. You know, our, our pastor James was teach, teaching the pastors last Monday, you know. How many of us pastors, when your congregations comes to you and you ask them to pray for, I mean, when they ask you to pray for them and they say, please Lord, please pastor, bless my child. How many of you pray? Lord, bless them with poverty of spirit. Lord, bless them for a hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, bless them, Lord, that they will be persecuted for righteousness sake. Lord, bless them that they will never be offended because of the word. Will you pray? Like that? You know what you will pray for? You will pray for buckets. So that before they kick the bucket, I don't know, that is the reason why maybe that word kicking the bucket has come into existence. You pray for buckets, five buckets. That is the reason Jeremiah is so, so upset. Nobody, you know, God is telling Jeremiah, you know, this is called Kantasosha. <laughs> Arthadvani of, of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. What are the two evils? They have forsaken me. That's the first evil. The fountain of living water and hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns which can hold no water. Exactly what you're doing. Five buckets all broken. Which can hold no water when I'm, I'm saying out of you rivers of living water will come. You know what you're asking for a bucket. You're five buckets and now you're living with a six. Are you not tired? Are you not tired this morning? Are you tired Lord? Enough Lord of searching somewhere else. You said Lord you will satisfy me. Lord I never feel satisfied. What a challenge for us. When I was, when I, when pastor was talking about that, I said, Lord, do I pray for myself like that? Lord, bless me, Lord. What when I say, bless me, Lord, bless me with the poverty of spirit. How many of, how many of us have really prayed like that? We, do we believe that that is actually blessing? It is blessed to give than to receive. You see? Focus is totally different. And then, John's Gospel chapter 4 verse 13 onward, Jesus answered and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. In other words, it is corruptible. You know, that's exactly what we call as law of diminishing returns. Law of diminishing returns. Now, to, you, for example, you eat, I mean, I was asking, you know, the GSS kid, what do you like for breakfast? What is the favorite food that you like? You know, we'll ask, he's not here today, I can use this example. He said, tomato rice. I said, tomato rice? Okay. Morning breakfast, tomato rice. Okay. Then, Lunch, tomato rice. Dinner, tomato rice. Next day, tomato rice. You know, by the, by the time fifth, you will be vomiting it out of your nostrils. That's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. Oh, this manna, if only, if only we had. And it came out of their nostrils. Because there's only one person who can satisfy fresh every day. That is manna from heaven. You know what? That's the reason why it says in John's Gospel chapter 6, your fathers ate that manna from heaven and they died. 
There is one manna. If you eat of me, you will never die. You will never die. I'll be fresh every morning to you. Amazing. Do we see that? Do we have joy? Do we really experience the joy? You know, with this one verse in First Peter chapter 1, which amazes me. I cannot explain that. It's one of those inexplicable verses. I just try to, try to imagine, you know, in a mind's eye, I want to create that emotion, but it never happens, you know. It's a very interesting verse in First Peter chapter 1 verse 8. Though you have not seen him, who is that person? Jesus. You love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice. With joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory. I have no idea what that means. What is that, Lord? Lord, can I just experience even a bit of that? Bit of it at least, Lord. And so he's asking, he's, he's, you know, Jacob is asking Rachel, Rachel, have I become God in your life? He's asking many of you today this morning, has your husband become your God in your life? Has he become the idol in your life? That you cannot enjoy God. Do you really enjoy God? Do you really, really enjoy God? What alarms you that God has not spoken to you but you, or you didn't have food today? What alarms you? Lord, you didn't speak to me this morning. You didn't speak to me the, the whole week. Lord, what is going on? What is wrong with my life? Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, which is full of glory. It's amazing, no? Look at what it... uh, Rachel, with all her external beauty, enjoying favor and love of her husband, has finally realized that to birth something of eternal consequence, none of the external qualifications matter. It has to be a supernatural act of God. None. It's beautiful, right? You know, it says, she's beautiful in form and appearance. Form? And appearance. But when the Messiah came, there was no form or appearance that we should desire him. That's exactly what I think Tim Keller was, he says that. He says, Jacob's idol was Rachel. If I can have her, if only I can have her, all the deepest longings of my heart will be satisfied. Could not satisfy. Something else has taken the place of God. And therefore, with all, I mean, with all your qualifications, no? With all your qualifications, Nicodemus, with all your qualifications, what are you? PhD from Fuller. All the credentials. But Messiah, we know that you are a man sent from God. Sorry, teacher, not Messiah. You are a man sent from God. Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see. Unless you are born of the water and the spirit, you cannot Enter. How can one man go back into the mother's tomb? Mother's tomb. Exactly the same thing. You see, that girl asked for a bucket and this this guy again sees it in the temporal. He cannot see it in the supernatural. It has to be a supernatural act of God. Supernatural act of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 27. But God chose the who? How many foolish things over here? Really, do you believe that? Foolish things of the world. It does not mean that you are fools, no? Okay. 
shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. And if you're really, really beautiful, and you're really, really, really talented, if you're really, really qualified, you know what you should become? First Corinthians chapter 3. Do not deceive yourself. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of the earth, you should, you should become what? Fools. So that you begin, you can be made wise. That is your calling. That is your calling. So question is that. Really, no? With all your qualifications, with all your beauty, nothing. Your sister envied your beauty, but now you are envying your sister. It's amazing. Sister envied your beauty, now you are envying your sister. How the tables have turned. Rachel saw and she envied. No, there is there's a very interesting uh, in connection between envy and taking the place of God. You know, of all the sins, the most subtle is envy. I was listening to a sermon on a podcast just a few days back. You know, this man of God says, when you are, if you lose your temper, you can sleep well. Even if you don't have trouble sleeping. Okay. If you are guilty of, let's say, anger or outburst of anger or even lust, you can possibly sleep without any issues. But if somebody comes and says, I think you have envy. That is very difficult to acknowledge. It is one of the most humiliating sins to acknowledge. You know why? If you say that you are envious of somebody, it's a very cheap thing to do, no? Now, for example, uh, I remember this um, movie that I saw some time back. Long time back. Swati Kiranam, it's Telugu. I don't know if you know that movie, Swati Kiran. Somebody is already smiling. So this young guy and a guru. Guru is a Sangeeta Vidvamsa. Sorry, Vidvamsa. Okay. He can sing very well. He is known to be the best in the in that village and in the township. Township. Okay. And this is young upstart who comes, no? Naive guy has raw talent. But he comes up with such, such intricate and very interesting ragas, no? And he sings before his guru. And the guru is stunned. He looks at him and he says, but he's envy. There's a lot of envy. He cannot acknowledge that you are better than him. So he looks at him and he always says, no, 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 that is not good. Bale. Go, that raga, what is that? Go change it. And this guy, he's, he's, he's doing his best and he's coming up with the best compositions. Until one day, this guru is called to a kacheri. In that kacheri, you know what he's singing? He's singing all the songs of this fellow. And when he's singing, everybody in the audience is is amazed at the compositions and they give him a standing ovation and when he gets up and he acknowledges a standing ovation from the corner of his eye, he sees this young boy standing there. And this young boy looking back at his master and that's it, his countenance falls. He's exposed. His envy, his jealousy is exposed. You know what he does? He goes back home and he smashes that fellow, breaks his bones and that fellow goes goes and commits suicide. 
That's a story. One of the most humiliating sins, one of the most humiliating sins to acknowledge is envy. Is envy. Very, very difficult. Very, 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 very difficult. Very difficult. Why did, why did the, the Pharisees offer up, I mean, uh, uh, give up Jesus to Pilate? Because of envy. Because of envy. No, why should they be envious of him? You see, that is how it is. You see, one more spiritual guy, one less spiritual guy, the less spiritual fellow will envy the more spiritual fellow. And you know, God allows that to expose your sin. I mean, that's exactly what happened to <laughs> Saul, no? Saul killed his, David killed his, who said that? Whose opinion was that? The girl's opinion. Ah, girl's opinion matter for you. Not God's opinion. God didn't say that. God didn't say that. Ah, my opinion. Aha. All the girl's opinion you wanted, huh? Everybody should be looking at you. Now they're looking at David. Today, all the public will give you the best. You are the bestest. Tomorrow they will say crucify. That is how public, public opinion is. And what has happened to this for the moment he saw the adoration finished envy. And you know what happens? The more he is trying to hate and get rid of David, he sees more of God over his life and he gets, you know, scared and now he has to eliminate him. He has to kill him. Otherwise, David will always condemn him. Always. He will be one stumbling block. And if he has to feel good, David has to die. Boy, that is envy. I mean, it's very, very difficult, no? Very, very, very difficult to guard your heart against envy. And if you have guarded your heart against envy, boss, you are next to Jesus. You are there. Envy. And what happens? She envies her sister. Now, you know what happens? She doesn't want to go and acknowledge and she doesn't want to pray. She doesn't want to fall flat on her face before God and say, Lord, what is happening? Did I replace you in my life? You know what she wants to do? She wants to justify herself now. She wants to justify herself. So what does she do? So she said to her husband, she starts playing God now. Here is my maid. Who? Bilha. You know what Bilha means? Trouble. Very interesting. <laughs> Here is trouble. <laughs> Please. Can you imagine? I, I, I mean, I, I feel, you know, the Bible has got very, very interesting nomenclature. That is the reason why Hebrew language is different from every other language. Now, if I ask you this question, what is the closest language to the Hebrew language? What will you say? Answer. Excuse me? Ah, chemistry, ah, you attended my class, okay. You know, the only language which is closest to the Hebrew language is the chemi- is the, is chemi- chemistry. You know why? How is oxygen atom formed? Two atoms of hydrogen, one atom of oxygen, sharing the outer electron, H2O. That's exactly how the Hebrew alphabet came. You know what God said? In the beginning was the what? Word. In the beginning was logos, actually. From which we get biology, every ology, every science logo. What did he do? He spoke the language. That is the reason it says Bereshit, Bara Elohim, Eth. 
What is Eth? No meaning. Eth means Aleph to Tav. He gave the alphabet first. And then he spoke the alphabet and he combined the alphabet and he made man. So whenever he makes and he, whenever he calls somebody, he calls somebody with their spiritual composition. What are you? Trouble. What is, what is your name? Abraham. Means what? Daddy. I want to make you Abraham. What is that? Big daddy. Abraham. Abraham means what? Ex- exalted father. Abraham means father of the nations. I want to make you big daddy. Are you satisfied with daddy? I want to change your spiritual composition. How will I change your spiritual composition? Your name is Abraham. I'm going to make you Abraham. I'm going to breathe into you the Holy Spirit. I'll give you life to you and to Sarai. Both Sarah, you will become Abraham. To Abraham, Sarai will become Sarah. And together you will birth an Isaac who will laugh. Spiritual composition of Isaac. He Loves happy man. So now what, what is what is what is she giving? Spiritual composition. Trouble. Please take trouble and birth more trouble. Before me. I mean as as unbelievable, right? Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees. Sometimes I have to read all this to my children. Graphics. So several chapters I have to explain using euphemisms. But Bible is raw. I mean, if you have to compare it, it's Arjun Reddy. Almost. Raw. Shows you the way you are. Watts and all. Then she gave him Bilha, her maid as wife, and Jacob went into her. Jacob has no say. He's not even having a conversation. What are you doing? Why do you want to ruin her life? No. You know why? God has been replaced in their life with something else. And Bilha conceived and bore Jacob a son. Rachel said, <laughs> Very interesting, right? You give trouble, and what do you say? You call God. God has judged my case. He has heard my cry. Call him Dan. What does Dan mean? Judge. What's his spiritual composition? Judge. That's exactly what happens. A lot of people, they take the position of God, and they invoke God. I remember when I was going to Canada for visa. Student visa. All my friends, you know, even Christian friends, they will get all the false documents. Bank statement. How much? How much? You have? 35 lakhs. Your father, his father is a railway employee. From where will he have 35 lakhs in his bank account? But all the doctored, you know what? Documents. Goes to the passport. I mean, goes to the embassy. Gets your visa. Comes to the church and testifies. Hallelujah! God has given me visa. It's amazing. God has judged my cause. But you know what? It is to justify your own lack of faith. Unbelief. She called his name. Dan. Then what happened? Rachel made Biha conceived again. Trouble. It will always trouble. It's very interesting, no? So many years you married and she never conceived. One night, conceived. Trouble is trouble. Sin is, what? Pleasurable for a C. 
sees and afterwards, death is coming. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings. My goodness, you know what great word is? The word is, with the wrestlings of the Almighty of God. I wrestled with who? Not with the powers of darkness, with my sister. I twisted and deceived my sister. And I prevailed. So she called his name, Naphtali. You know what observations are made? There are Dan ministries and Naphtali ministries. A ministry with the name of God, but a work of the flesh, where you have taken the place of God. That is the reason why I like that song that we sang this morning. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and who have no confidence in the flesh. Philippians chapter 3. Why? A ministry that is birthed out of envy, competition, but not because of burden. There is no burden. There's no burden for souls. There's no burden. You know, so many people have asked for prayer requests for an unsaved loved ones. Do you have a burden? Do you have a burden for your unsaved loved ones? Do you cry out in the night for them? Really, really, really. Lord, give me an opportunity that I can share the gospel with them. God is not in the center, but man. It's called Dan Ministries and Naphtali Ministries. Envy. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 1. Paul, some indeed preach Christ from envy and strife. Can you believe that? You preach who? <laughs> Christ from envy and strife. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely. Supposing to add affliction to my chains. You know what you want to do? You want to afflict the most genuine apostle and therefore you preach the gospel. Can you imagine the motive? That is the reason why the, in, in Christian, pastor was talking, he says, you know what Vijay, in Christianity, the means does not justify the end. That is communism. <laughs> Where the ends justify the means. But everything is important to God. It is not only the ends, how did you reach that end? What about us today? But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense. What then? Only that in every way, whether pretense or in truth, Christ is being preached. Can you imagine? Some people deceive and preach Christ. And some people speak the truth and preach Christ. But you know, Paul is cool. Paul doesn't care as long as the gospel is preached. He doesn't care. Absolute error. It doesn't matter. What is, where am I focusing? I'm not focusing on how many people are appreciating my ministry. No. I'm focusing if the glory of God is happening or not. John's Gospel chapter 3. Then there arose dispute between some of John's disciples and Jews about baptism. You know, a lot of problems about baptism. Hmm? And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the problem is about who? Baptism. Rabbi, he who was be, uh, with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, is, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Everybody is going there. John answered, a man, what? You know, how I paraphrase this for myself? A man, Vijay, a man means Vijay, should receive nothing unless it is given from above. Otherwise it will be, Bilha means trouble. If you have something which God has not ordained for you, you will have trouble. 
You yourself bear witness that I said, I am the Christ. I am not the Christ. But I have been sent before him. He must increase. I must decrease. See that? Everybody? Philippians chapter 2. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each others esteem let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. You see that? Look at what it says in First, Second Samuel chapter 21. Now the Gibeonites were not a part of Israel, but were survivors of the Amorites. The Israelites had sworn to spare them, but Saul in his zeal, that is actually the word is envy, for Israel, not for God, and for Judah had tried to annihilate them. You see that? So question is, what? how do I know? How do I know that I have unbelief? How do I know that I have unbelief? What is the root of unbelief? You know, I was reading through the Bible and this is one verse which startles me. You know, this is, how do I really know I have unbelief? This is found in John's Gospel chapter 1 verses 41 to 44. I do not receive honor from men. Jesus is saying, I don't care about honor from men. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you him you will receive. And then he says, how can you believe who receive honor from one another? And let's all read this together. For, verse 44. Everybody. How can you believe who receive honor from and do not seek honor that comes from? Not from God only. From Ah, the only God. That's the difference. That means your somebody else is your God. Somebody has replaced God in your life. So question is, has somebody replaced God in your life? Something replaced God in your life? Who is your God? Pastor was talking to me about how he was talking to the pastors and some of the pastors in the place that he went and he said, if you come to a prophet with an what in your heart? Idol in your heart, I the Lord will answer you according to the idol in their heart. And they were stunned. They never saw that word before. Stunned. Answer. One of the things that we need to constantly deal with with our all of our heart, Lord, guard my heart from envy, from jealousy, from competition. We are all children of God. I don't want to destroy my life because of that. How do I know that I have envy? When I cannot praise somebody with my heart, I can praise like Ziba. Ah, there is one guy. His name is Mephibosheth, but he's lame. Ah, there is one guy who's very good, but he's 10th class fail. You can never from your heart appreciate anybody other than yourself. In fact, actually, you cannot even appreciate yourself. If somebody appreciates you, you will say, no, 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 no. And the same thing goes for the others also. You cannot appreciate yourself, you cannot appreciate others. You will make your life miserable, others' life also miserable. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. You see that? Check, check that. Next one, next person who says, am I in the place of God? This is found in Second Kings chapter 5. 
verse 1 onwards. Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of the master. You can be great and honorable man in the eyes of the master. Because by him the Lord has given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but a leper. You know, this is how I rephrase the statement. Now Roger Federer was the greatest tennis player in the planet earth. With 20 grand slams and counting, but leper. Rafael Nadal, the greatest clay quarter, the king of clay. Because of all his accomplishments, but a leper. Michael Phelps, total number of gold medals, 28, more than the total number of gold medals India has ever achieved in all of the Olympics. It has participated. Maximum number of gold medals, the greatest Olympian ever, but a leper. With all your accomplishments, which who has given you? Huh? And you're still a leper. That is the standard analysis and diagnosis the spiritual composition of the great people in this world. Lepers. It's amazing. And then, who is going to be the people who will be ministering to him? The nobodies. Amazing, isn't it? That is how God's equations are. And if he wants deliverance, whom should he listen to? The servant girl. Can you imagine? Think about it. No, think about it in your home. Okay? You have a servant. And you're having a financial problem. And your servant comes to you. She's laughing already. Amma, financial problem is jare up. Mere paas ek solution hai. Tere ko, tere ko kya malum rahe? Tuja? Tuja are. Tuja. That is Hyderabadi. What are you going to tell me? About my problem. But you know what? If you want your solution, you have to humble yourself and you have to listen to a captive in your home who has no rights. That is remarkable. It's remarkable. That is how God humbles people. He brings somebody who is absolutely unqualified in the worldly sense and he puts him and he says, now, now, now tell me, what will, what will you do? What will you do? I mean, this is a very interesting um, uh, story. You know, I was reading Spurgeon the other day. One of his sermons, he talks about a Jewish uh, tale about, you know, a Jewish story about how Solomon's temple was made. So Solomon's temple, they made all the stones in the quarry. Remember, they made the, sto- the stones in the quarry. They never brought it to the temple side. They made the stones in the quarry. They brought it all to the temple side and they arranged it together. So they brought one stone and they looked at it absolutely shapeless. And they said, what is this stone? And they just left it aside. And they were trying to fit this stone everywhere and it is not fitting. Now they said, Ari, this is useless stone. They left that stone like that. And you know what? They started constructing and the whole construction was over. Everything was done. And now the day of dedication. And when the day of dedication, all the priests came, the king came, everybody was there. And one guy observed, Ari, you forgot something. Where is the capstone? And they were always shocked. Yeah, where is the capstone? We forgot the capstone. Is that the capstone? And now by this time there was moss, there was algae, there was everything on the capstone. They took it out, they cleaned it up 
and when they took it their hands were trembling and then they took it to the top of the of the building and they put it it just fit exactly the right way and the temple was complete you know what jesus said the stone the builders rejected has become the headstone of the corner it is the lord's doing it is marvelous in our eyes. Is it marvelous in our eyes? The stone, the builders, the rejects of the world, when they become God's army, and when they preach to you, will you humble yourself? All of us lepers. You know, it's amazing, right? How, how, you should read the book of Leviticus, no? If you have skin disease, he will check and he will pronounce you unclean. But if your whole body is full of skin disease, you know what he will pronounce you? Clean. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? You know what it means? You know what you are acknowledging? You are saying, Lord, not just this place, Lord. Every part of my body is a leprous body. Then he will say, you are clean now. You are clean. That is God's equation. Okay. And the Syrians had gone out on the raids and he brought had brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went to his, and then told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Where should you go? To the prophet. Where is this fellow writing the letter to? King. Can you imagine? These guys. For the, because those days, the kings were gods. You know how they used to address the king. Oh king, live forever. <laughs> they also know this fellow is going to die. It is a sudden. But live forever. They want to boost his ego. Raja Amar Rahe. PJR Amar Rahe. NTR Amar Rahe. Nobody is Amar. There is only one Amar who has conquered sin and death. That is Jesus Christ. That's all. Nobody else till now. Not you and I also. He is only, he's still the first fruits of those who have been raised from the dead. So, so he departed and took the, took, took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothing. You know, you know what this guy is proud man. I don't want healing for nothing. Okay? Okay, I don't want healing for nothing. So, you know, it's sort of very, very offensive. Very offensive. Look at what it says. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel who said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you that who may heal? <laughs> you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and he said, Am I God? Can you believe that? I mean, I like this irony, you know. And when you see King tearing his clothes, you are such a humble man. Let us see what it means. To kill, am I God to kill and to make a lie that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, what is he called? Man of God. Very interesting. He is saying, am I God? He at least would have, could have said, no, am I a man of God? This guy says, I am a man of God. How scripture records, what does man of God means? I'll tell you what it means. I'll tell you what it means. Okay, just as a word, word picture. Okay, when I say wooden boat, boat made of wood. 
when I say a sailboat, it is not boat made of sails, it is boat which is driven by sails. Man of God. A man who is led by God. That's what it means. Okay. So he says, so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel, had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why did you tear your clothes? <laughs> Please let him come to me and that he shall know that he's a, there's a prophet in Israel. Now this is very, very interesting. I was trying to under, understand what is this rod? This fellow definitely is not a humble fellow. Don't ever think that the king is humble. He's, when he's saying, I am my God, he's not being humble. What is happening over here? What is God trying to teach him here? In order to understand the principle, you should look, look at a passage, parallel passage in the gospel according to Luke chapter 4. It says in Luke's gospel chapter 4, <clears throat> then he said, assuredly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Man of God, send him to me. Why are you tearing the clothes? There is a prophet where? Uh, the question is actually asking, oh king, do you know there is a prophet in Israel? First of all, you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know there is a prophet in Israel? Do you know? And sometimes... When you travel, no, when you travel some places, you meet Christians. Okay, you just meet Christians from different countries. No, I was traveling and I asked, do you know John Piper? A girl's person from America. He's a Christian. John Piper, I don't know. No. Do you know such and such a person? I'm used to taking all the names which we are enamored with, you know, these are the people who really spoke into our lives. They don't know anybody. They don't know. They're own prophets. Okay, then he said, Assuredly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you, truly there are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up for three and a half years, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But, none of them was Elijah sent to, except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Where Sidon is not, is not Israel territory, it's a Gentile territory. Then, many lepers were in Israel. In the time of Elisha, the prophet, none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And now, when you look at this, the people come to your rescue. The people come to your rescue. They do something with Jesus. You know what they want to do? So those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with anger. And they wanted to kill Jesus. You know what it means? This guy who says, I am God, he's actually a guy who has rejected the prophetic word. Rejected the prophetic word. Look at what it says. I mean, this is one of the observations I made. Second Kings chapter 3. This is Jehoram, the king, okay? Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And read how many years? 12 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother, for he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father has made. That's all. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He did not depart from them. Okay. It's very difficult, no? One of the most difficult things is, if you, if your foundations are wrong, okay, if you, when you're a kid, all the foundations, if they're messed up, any subject, when you grow up, you'll be messed up. You know, I remember my dad when I was uh, in my third grade, if I'm right, third grade or fourth grade. There was an English exam and the teacher was dictating notes those days. And the teacher was dictating, dictating and I started writing also. Okay, I said, in that, in that, one of the questions, the answer was the little dog 
something, something. I just wrote the little dog do. What did I write? Little dog do. That's all I wrote. And then a full stop. My dad was looking at the answer and he said, what does this little dog do? Which it doesn't make any sense. So he read the lesson and he looked at the question and he paraphrased the entire answer and he gave it to me. And he said, memorize this. This is the right answer. Now my mind has already ratified something else. So in the exam, what do I write? The little dog do. That's exactly what happens to many Christians also. They take the false gospel. They think they are saved. But they are not saved. And now when you give them the true gospel, it is impossible almost to save them. Little dog do. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam. You see that? And who gave these foundations? Great Jeroboam. Who had made Israel to say, and you will see that this is the one sin that they can Never get rid of in the entire history of Israel. When made Israel to sin, he did not depart from them. And what happened? But it happened when Ahab died. The king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Jeroboam went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. Then he went and sent for Jehoshua, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you help me? Whom should I actually go to? The prophet. And you know what, Jero, what, uh, what uh, Jehoshaphat said? But Jehoshaphat said in verse 11, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord? So one of the servants, it is not the king, one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha the son of Shaphat is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. Who's, who's saying that? Not the indigenous king, the king who's from outside. The word of the Lord is with him. Let us go and inquire him. Rejecting the prophetic word. You know, one of the most difficult things for children in the kingdom of God to accept is correction. Very difficult. One of the greatest blessings that you can ever enjoy as a Christian. Blessed is the man who is not offended because of me. And you know what you should have when you come to Christianity? You should have a thick skin. Thick skin. Meaning what? Deal with the issue. Don't take anything personal. Deal with the issue. And God will keep on testing you over and over and over and over and over and over again. The different, different, different people who will attack you personally. They will call you all kinds of names, but will you have a thick skin and not get offended? How can you call me like that? Sorry. You are not fit to be a Christian. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, yeah, that's exactly, you know, that lady, the Syrophoenician lady came, it is not good for fathers to give the children's, children's food to the dogs. You call me a dog? No, 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 no. Blessed are you if you are not. Lord, even the dogs wait for the crumbs from the master's table. Finished. Miracle. Done. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, why, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. First Kings chapter 22. Who is the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother? The king of Israel. This is Ahab. Verse 6 onwards. The king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into your hand. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there still not a prophet? And you know what Ahab says? So the king of Israel said, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Why? 
because he does not prophesy, prophesy good concerning me, only evil. He will tell me what all my wrongs are. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imla, quickly. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat on his throne at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Kena had made horns of iron for himself and he said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall go to the Syrians until you are destroyed. Until they are destroyed. Not you are destroyed, they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper. Amazing, no? Absolute prosperity gospel. For the Lord will deliver it into the hands of the, uh, into the king's hand. You know, you see that today, recently there was one uh, WhatsApp message going on. Some prophet, one million hits already on YouTube. Some prophet, fire from heaven, signs and wonders, everybody dancing in that place. Nothing about holiness, nothing about change, nothing. You see, that is exactly what has happened in the pulpits. You should see how the whole Christian spectrum has changed. I, I just downloaded one message yesterday on this Second Kings chapter five, verse seven. I was just some not not Second Kings, some other message I was listening. Some pastor, some random pastor in some in in some state in the U.S. You know what he's saying? You should not play God in other people's life. Okay, I agree. All right. Sometimes some people like some beverages. You should not judge them. For example, uh, me. This is a pastor who's preaching. Sometimes I take some alcohol. Don't judge me. The moment I heard that, as long as we are in the limits, the moment I heard that, I was so upset. The first thing I did was delete that message and throw it into the trash can. I was thinking about it. I was just thinking about it in the morning. Okay, don't consume alcohol, but consume in the in in limits, moderation. It's like you know, consume cocaine in moderation. Commit adultery in moderation. How can you moderation, in moderation commit adultery? I don't know. Say lies in moderation. Can you imagine? That's like, this is being preached from the pulpit. And you know what? You are going into the world. It's absolute temptations all around and you have no power to withstand. You know why? Because the pulpit is absolutely compromised. No correction at all. What they give you is feel good sermons. Feel good. They will, you will feel very good about you and very bad about God. And all the prophets prophesied, go up to Ramad Gilead and prosper for the Lord will deliver it into the hands of the king. And then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying, now listen the words of the prophets. With one accord, encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord said, I will speak. And you know what he spoke. You see that? This is what, this is a, don't despise the prophetic word. You know, the word of God has got four dimensions. First thing is revelation. Second thing is prophecy. Third thing is teaching. And fourth thing is, uh, revelation, knowledge, prophecy, teaching. Revelation, knowledge, prophecy, teaching. And the most important is the prophetic. Prophetic doesn't mean that he will predict the future. No, that is soothsaying. That's not prophecy. 
Prophecy is something which will correct you and bring you back onto the right path. Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that also I will speak. Do you value the prophetic word? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7, remember those who rule over you. Who have spoken the word of God to you. Whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. Amos chapter 2 verse 11. I raised up some of, I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is it so, O children of Israel? Is it not so, O children of Israel, says the Lord? But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets saying, do not prophesy. See that? What an amazing contradiction this is. Look at the other side. The king tore his clothes, did no miracle. What did he do? He tore his clothes, did no miracle. Look at the other side on the book, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 14. In Lystra sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from the birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, at that the man jumped and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus. Paul they called Hermes. Because he was the chief speaker. Guest speaker, Hermes. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he had, the, he had uh, because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. When, when Paul and Barnabas heard of this, they tore their clothes. You see all And rushed out into the crowd shouting. What did they shout? Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only humans like you. Accept our message. We are bringing you good news. Telling you that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God. That is the prophetic word. Turn from these worthless things to the living God. Who made the heavens and the earth. You see? How do you know that you are God in your own life? If you, do, if you refuse the prophetic word. Finally, Genesis chapter 15. Let us look at the third example. Two more examples. Third example, powerful. Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 onwards. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph, Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we had done to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you please, Forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down. Behold, we are your servants, they said. And verse 19, Joseph said, what did he say? Sorry. Ah. Where it says, am I in the place of God? Okay? I forgot, I forgot to put that. Am I in the place of God? You meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. Don't worry, I will comfort you. Am I in the place of God? You meant it for harm, God meant it for good. Don't worry, I will take care of you. What is happening over here? Several observations. First, he refused to take the position of God. First thing, you know, if you look at the success of Joseph's life, all the, these three 
absolute characteristics of his life. Refuse to take the position of God. First thing. Surrender to the sovereignty of God. Second thing. Served with the authority of God. Refuse to take the position of God. Surrender to the sovereignty of God. Served with the authority of God. Look at what it says. This is his life. Genesis chapter 37. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you. And what did he say? Here I am. Surrendered completely. And then, in Genesis chapter 39, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things, that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Then, Genesis chapter 50, verse 21, Now therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You know the words? He served them with authority. He served them with authority. He never used his authority for his own good. Authority is always used, given to protect, not to abuse. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 49 about Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him. Shot at him and hated him. But his bow remained in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. For there is the shepherd and the stone of Israel. Who is this talking about? There's one ultimate person who refused to be God. Even though he was God. Even though he was God. Refused. And let me read that portion to you. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality of God a thing to be grasped. That means he never held on to it. Second, it says, he emptied himself. What is emptying? Other translations will use, he made himself of no reputation. Other translations, another translation says, he made himself nothing by taking the form of a bond servant, being form, uh, being uh, born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Jonathan Edwards, he wrote a very powerful sermon. You know, it's called The Excellencies of Christ. You know, I'm, these days I'm reading two people. Jonathan Edwards and Spurgeon. I was driving Pastor James the other day from the airport. He you know, looked at me and he said, Vijay, whenever I read Spurgeon, I cry. I said, why, Pastor? He said, you know, Vijay, with those days without internet, without all the facilities that we have today, the kind of depth that they have, you should see, they take one scripture and they write 20 pages message. One of the most powerful messages of Jonathan Edwards, you know, is sinners in the hands of an angry God. One half verse, not even full verse, one half verse, he writes 10 or 15 pages. Half verse. Without no internet, no television, no radio program, no podcast, no cast, no broadcast, no podcast, nothing. Depth in the Lord. For us, podcast, broadcast, 
all cast, props, multiple screens, media, everything, no word. Absolutely no word. And look at this guy. He wrote a, he wrote a, I mean, actually preached a sermon called The Excellencies of Christ. That's the title of the sermon. If you want to read it, it is 28 pages only. The sermon. I just cannot imagine how the congregation sat through that sermon. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful sermon. The Excellencies of Christ. And in that, he talks about a very interesting paradox in Jesus. He says, in Jesus, infinite highness and infinite condescension come together, which is impossible to find in human beings, in any any man. Infinite greatness and infinite humility. Now think about it. God is greatest. Right? For God to be humble, he should be a creator or a creature. Creature. Creature is supposed to be humble when compared to the creator. But how can God be humble? That is only found in Christ. Two, he's, all, he's called the lion of Judah and he's also called the... Can you imagine two? How can a lion and a lamb be together? What does a lion do? Devours you. And you know, you see Revelation chapter 5, right? Who is worthy to remove this cross, to, uns- to unseen this cross? Behold, the lion of tribe of Judah. He is worthy. And then he's praying and he's thinking who's going to come out. Who comes out? The lamb of God comes out. Can you imagine? The lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb of God in Jesus. Infinite highness, infinite condescension. Condescension meaning stooping to the lowest possible position. Now how how much did this infinite infinite God stoop himself? To what point? Look at what it says. You know what he has to say? I'm just paraphrasing. He came below angels. It says in in Psalm, 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 Psalm 8, it says, you made yourselves a little lower than angels. Okay, fine. Then, not angels, you became a man, but what kind of a man? You became below princes and not great men. With, the, with those of the meanest rank and degree. Then, you took notice of beggars. He took notice of the most unworthy sinful creatures have no good deservings, having no good, deser- good deservings, but those of infinite ill deservings. And then, he becomes their friend. Why? Becomes their companion. Gets engaged to them. Can you imagine that? Allows himself to be exposed to shame and spitting. You know, finally, you know what he calls himself? Call himself a? I didn't say that. Why did he? Why does he call himself a worm? Isaiah forty-one verse fourteen is easy to remember. Forty-one fourteen. Fear not, you worm Jacob. And what does he call himself? Psalm twenty-two verse six. But I am not a man. I am a worm. Actually, it's not. Didn't come. I am a worm, not a man. Sorry about that. Scorned by mankind and despised by people. What is he calling himself? A worm. Worm. Okay? Worm. Abigail and Emmanuel, they have a very interesting story. The story of Inchi, Inchworm and Caterpillar. Oh, sorry, not Caterpillar. And Cricket. Grasshopper. Cricket means grasshopper. Inchi, Inchworm moves by inches. One inch only it can move. 
So the caterpillar comes to Inchi Inchi Worms and says, look at me, faster than you. Faster than you. I can fly, I can fly, I can fly, I can fly. And it's showing off, showing off, showing off, showing off, showing off. Inchi Inchi Worms is feeling very bad. Okay. And this fellow is showing off more and more and more and more. And there's one bird waiting there. Inchi Inchi Worms is climbing up the hill. Looks at the bird and stands still. Nice. Inchi Inchuam climbs up the hill, looks at the bird, stands still. But what does the grasshopper do? Runs about. And what does the bird do? The early bird catches the worm. We are all worms. Think about two worms in competition. Inchuam, caterpillar. Hey Inchi, look at me. Such a big body. Strong six-pack muscles. Look at you. And you can only move inch-wise. Can you imagine competition among worms? How ridiculous it is. And can you imagine the condescension of God to call himself a worm? That is what he's talking about. You know, there's a very powerful hymn that I love a lot. Down from his glory. Ever-living story. My God and Savior came. Jesus was his name. Born in a manger. To his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears and agony. What condescension bringing us redemption that in the dead of night, not one faint hope in sight, God gracious tender laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. Oh glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary. Without reluctance, Flesh and blood is substance. He took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. Oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary. Now I know you are the great I am. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him. My my, my father, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior. And all God's fullness dwells in him. If God humbles himself and refuses to be God and he completely surrenders himself, to the will of his father. How much more you and I? How much more you and I? When people call us a worm, one worm will help another worm. You'll say, hey, politician, who and the autumn. Normal fellow, I came to your level. God becoming worm. What kind of a level that is? You know what? That is the reason why it says in John's Gospel chapter 7, if any man's Will is to do his will, then he will know whether my teaching is from the Father or am I speaking of my own authority. You will never understand the teaching of God unless and until your will is to the will of the Father. Otherwise it will only be Greek and Latin, even if it is the authentic word. Became a worm. Exposed himself. And then what he says, I became so much like you and you're envying me and you put me on the cross, I didn't say anything. You envied me, put me on the cross, I didn't say anything. I came back to you. The same persons who died for me, who killed me, I died for them and I took away their guilt. What option do you have? What option do you have? Except to surrender to him and give your life to him. Except to surrender to him, give your life to him and say, Lord, you are my God. Like Thomas said, you are my God, you are my Lord. Your will, Lord. 
let it be done whenever i see jesus i don't understand him so much really i say lord i don't understand i don't get it sometimes you know why lord there's so much of pride inside of me there's so much of pride jealousy competition whatever it is inside of you and therefore i'm not able to understand you and when somebody says worm i'll change the lyrics such a wretch you remember that song i lost and did my savior bleed and did my sovereign die did he devote his sacred head for such a worm as i was it for crimes that i have done he hung upon a tree amazing pity grace unknown love beyond degree well not well might the sun and darkness hide and shut its glories in when christ the mighty maker died the man the creatures sin for man the creatures sin depths drops of tears cannot repay the debt of love i owe oh lord i give myself away this all that i can do this all that i can do the immortal infinite god becomes absolutely empty to save us and he becomes a worm to save worms like us that is the gospel that is the gospel infinite god empties himself and says you know what i will not call myself god i will become the son of man so that you can become sons of god and you know what he says is it difficult for you to surrender to my will when i show you the path first peter chapter 2 for to this you have been called we are coming to the end because christ also suffered for you leaving you a what an example so that you might follow in his steps he committed no sin neither was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled he did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges righteously he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed for you were like straying sheep but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls what is he called the shepherd the stone of israel come back to him this morning come back to him this morning die to sin what does it mean what does it mean what does it mean to die to sin first peter chapter 4 will say it says since therefore christ suffered in the flesh arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of your time in the flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of god how much time will you spend how old are you today if you're 12 years you've spent sufficient time in the world if you're 20 years you've spent sufficient time in the world if you're 5 years five year olds are not here if you're five years you actually spent sufficient time sinning you know that all the sins that you have to commit you have already committed now think about it i mean think about it we don't have idea about eternity think about it cs lewis gives a very interesting example he says think about no you have bitterness and you did, did not deal with bitterness and you live for 70 years you had bitterness when you were 20 years old and slowly by the time you you became 70 years old your bitterness has increased or decreased it has increased 
Now you enter into eternity with the bitterness. How much time you have in internet? Inter- in eternity? Infinite time. You know what will happen? Immediately your bitterness will explode to infinity. The moment you enter into eternity. You already have it in your heart. Don't wait till you commit. You have spent sufficient time in this world living for human passions and not for the will of God. So this morning, come back to Jesus. My dear brothers and sisters, fall in love with him. Do you love him? Do you love him? How many of you really say that? It's a very simple thing, no? Lord, I love you. I know not how much I love you, but as much as I know, I love you. Meditate upon the things about what God has done for you through Jesus. Read books, listen to music, psalms and hymns and songs of worship, spiritual songs. I mean, you read, you listen to modern day songs have no, no depth at all. And you listen to all the old hymnals. They had this incredible theology. They sang theology. Amazing. This mystery all immortal dies. Who can explain his strange design? In vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depths of love divine. This mercy all. Immense and free. Let angel minds inquire no more. Amazing love, how can it be that thou my God should die for me? He left his father's throne above. Emptied himself of all but love. And he bled for Adam's helpless race. And he found me. Amazing love, how can it be? That thou, my God, should die for me. It's amazing. These are the songs that they sang. And they had incredible depth and they had incredible love. They expressed it in song. That is the reason why A.W. Sotoza says, show me the condition of your Bible and show me the condition of your hymn book. I will tell you the condition of your soul. I will tell you how much you love God. How much you think about Jesus. How much Jesus is in your thoughts. Show me the condition of your Bible and show me the condition of your hymnal. And I will tell you. And this morning, let us stand up in the presence of God. I will not preach more than one and a half hours. Whatever I have to say, I say. But I tell you something, my, my dear brothers and sisters. One of the things I'm asking God, Lord, circumcise my heart so that, so, that I, so that I will love you. You said, Lord, that you will shed abroad your love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Do it so that I will love you. That no other person will take the place of God in my life. Not even me. And every time some other person or thing is taking the place of God in my life, it is I who is taking the place of God in my life. And not Jesus. Am I in the place of God? Who is my God? Is my wife my God? Is she my savior? Is she my righteousness? Did she die for me? For my sin? No, Lord. Did did my career die for me? No, Lord. Did my parents die for me? No, Lord. You and you alone deserve all our honor, our adoration, our love. Father, forgive us for taking the place of God in your in our lives. Your place in our lives. 
Lord, forgive us. If we put another person in our hearts other than you, like Rachel and like Jacob, forgive us if we, like Jehoram, despise the prophetic word, became too familiar with the prophetic word, that people from all around the world will listen to his word, but he himself will reject it. Lord, he was on the throne and not God. But Lord, enable us to be like Joseph, Lord, who surrendered completely. Surrendered to the sovereignty of God. Submitted to the will of God. And served with authority of God. Lord, if you have lost that authority, you said, Lord, you said in your word, as many as have received him, he gave them the authority to be called the children of God. As many as have believed in your name. So many here in this place, I don't know, Father, some of them maybe, they still have not been saved. They're not saved, Lord. They may be having a form of godliness, but no power inside. Even our repentance, Lord, unless you give us the gift of repentance, we can't even repent. Forget about pleasing you, O Lord. Father, this morning we just humble ourselves before you. Forgive us for being God. Forgive us, Lord. Enable us, Lord Jesus. Enable us to humble ourselves. Enable us to meditate upon you. Lord, you said, faith comes by hearing and hearing the message about Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us if you have taken the message into a message about prosperity. Message about success. Replacing and exchange, exchanging the eternal for the temporal. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive us, circumcise our hearts, we pray. Circumcise our hearts. Circumcise our hearts, Lord. Enable us to be available like the way Joseph was. Always available for the meanest of jobs. But in all those days, O oh Lord, you were with him, O oh Lord, even in his afflictions. He was afflicted. The arrows that hated him struck him, but Lord, his bow remained strong. Lord, the arrows of temptation, the arrows of of slander, the arrows of hatred were shot at him. But Lord, he remained strong all because he put you first and you strengthened him with the power of the mighty God of Jacob. You strengthened his hands with the power of mighty God of Jacob. Lord, strengthen us this morning, Lord. Strengthen us, oh Lord. Our strength is small. We have no power, oh Lord, Father, to fight the powers of darkness. We have have no power to fight our own sin. We have no power to fight the temptations that come into the world, come come through this world, O Lord. We don't have the power to flee temptation. We get easily succumb to temptation, O Lord. Father, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. O Father, O Father, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive us as a church, O Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Change our hearts. Rekindle the desire for you. 
rekindle the desire. Let our labor be a labor of love. Let our work be a work of faith. Let our patience be a patience of hope. Hope which is formed because of character. Proven character. And shed abroad your love in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. To that end, I pray that you would bless us all. Bless us all, O Lord. Bless us all. Forgive us, O Lord, if you have despised you. If you have despised your word, so many times we have heard your word. So many times, Lord, we have heard and we have become familiar with it, O Lord. We have become familiar with the prophetic word, O Lord. There's no new revelation. Forgive us. Enable us to cry us, cry out to you, O Lord. Cry out to you. Oh Father, rekindle the desire for you, O Lord, in our lives. Jesus, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Father, for all of your children. All of us, we have come to your house, O Lord, this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, if we, if something, if envy has stolen our joy, Father, forgive us, cleanse us, take our eyes off from our neighbors and put our eyes, let our eyes be focused upon you. Let our eyes be focused upon you, the author and finisher of our faith. Father, let our eyes come back to you. Father, take away every distraction. Take away every distraction, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you, Father. Pray, Father, for every brother, every sister. Touch each and every one of them. Each and every one of us. Let your word continue to burn in our hearts, O Lord. Let the enemy not steal it. Let it bear fruit in our lives and give us increasing revelation in the days to come. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Thank you, Father. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.